0: Hey, 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 it's B-Rad Celebrity Hairstylist here, your host of the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. Today we have a subject that for some people may find overwhelming, some content may be graphic because it's something that we all deal with. It could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be your boss, it could be a family member, it could be somebody you're dating. So what we're talking about is narcissism. And if you don't know what narcissism, narcissism, is and it's kind of a tough word to say, but being a narcissist and dealing with someone who is a narcissist may be something in your life that you need to know what the signs are how to deal with maybe we can show you or our guest can show you a technique of how to kind of deal with that so i'd like to welcome our guest angie atkinson who is the um i guess you have the site uh, queenbee.com she's an author she has an online academy she has daily videos and live streams on YouTube. She has now well over 58,000 followers already just on YouTube alone. She deals with narcissistic abuse recovery. So I want to say welcome, Angie, and thank you for being on the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. Thank you. I'm
1: happy to be here.
0: So, Angie. Uh, um, so, Angie and I, we have done a show before, the Empowerment Podcast or the Empow- Empowered Empath. Wow, I can't talk today. <laughs> Good thing we're not live, but you guys listening. So, what we do is we actually do an audio version of the show as well as the video version, which goes online on on YouTube. So, a- Angie, we'll just jump right into it and. I'll just give uh if you can give our audience a little bit about your background and kind of who you are and kind of how it came to be that you wanted to specialize uh with narcissistic narcissistic abuse recovery.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's a big question. Um <laughs> so I was originally a journalist and I was blogging on the side just because I thought, well, I have to do something <laughs> with my, you know, my excess creative energy. Uh so I I started as a journalist, started blogging. I was doing, I had a a small business on the side. I was doing um, building websites and doing marketing and stuff like that for people as kind of a way to make money, but a way to make money. But at the same time, I found myself um, blogging about things that were happening in my life. And so one of the things I did as a journalist is whenever I had anything I was thinking about or concerned about, I would, I would write a well-researched article based, you know, based on scientific facts and things. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd. And I, I put several of those on my blog over the course of, I don't know, a year. Maybe I was writing one a month at that time. Mm-hmm. And those were the articles that remained the top 10 on my site for like two or three years. Every time I would write about that topic, people would flock to the site. And I thought, this is really weird. What, what, what is this? and, and, <laughs> But it seemed like it was the thing that people were most resonating with on my site. And so I started kind of looking into it a little deeper, researching more, writing more, started writing about once a week about it. And that was around the time people started asking me to coach them. And I was like, I'm not qualified to do that. Mm -hmm. And so no thanks. But then I realized that it was something that I could do well because I understood both the disorder and how it felt to be abused by someone with the disorder. Mm -hmm. So I went. And I got my life coaching certification and then several other certifications. Mm -hmm. And, and then I opened up that part of the business. And since then, you know, shortly after that, I think I got on YouTube, uh, just originally as like an experiment, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it worked out really nicely, I guess. And today I, I not only don't work for other people, but I have several people working for me and the community continues to grow and grow and grow because there are so many people out there who thought, Oh my gosh, I'm alone. And it turns out they're not. I think it's a beautiful thing.
0: Exactly. Because with your coaching now, you have added some additional coaches to your practice. Mm -hmm. You do a daily live and it's amazing how many people that are in need of what you have because daily and some of these stories can be pretty graphic and for what these people are telling with this private stream that you do, but you also offer free resources. You also offer Facebook online uh, Mm -hmm. groups that people can join as well. So if somebody is suffering from, not suffering, but if somebody's in a situation with a narcissist, so number one, if someone doesn't know what a narcissist is, what would be some indicators uh, to look for?
1: So I think one of the biggest, I think the biggest and most universal indication of a narcissist would be they lack empathy and especially for people close to them. So they may appear to display empathy at certain times, like for trying to impress people during the early phases of a relationship, they may seem to have empathy or seem to be a lot like the people that they are involved with, but it's a phase called love bombing. And so mm-hmm. you'll, you'll find with a narcissist in a romantic relationship, very early on, they often seem like the perfect person. They're like your soulmate. They seem like they like all the same things you like. And what happens is once they kind of notice that you're human, they push you right off that pedestal and into the devalue phase.
2: Mm.
1: And, and that's when you start to see the truth. the true narcissist. That's when they start to tear you down personally. And it starts really subtly at first but over time it becomes quite blatant and I know you've personally experienced something similar Mm -hmm. haven't you
0: yes yeah I've had I've had it with relationships I've had I've had bosses have had that co-workers that have that but obviously more the love bombing would happen during a relationship or do you think even in a job situation like a new boss instead of love, love bombing, what they would do is praise you, you're Mm -hmm. a great, you know, you're a great asset to the company, this and that. And I think that's what draws you in so easily, Mm because you're like, wow, this person, And I think that's a tough thing, too. Because when you're in that love, the love bombing stage, everything is wonderful, everything is roses. And then when things start to change to devalue, then what happens is, it must be me because this person's saying that, uh, you know, I'm not as good. I don't really love you as much. You're, you're a terrible person. You're like all this stuff. They, they play mind tricks, which next time they, they start gaslighting and doing that kind of stuff. And you think you're going crazy, but you think this person cares about me. This person thinks I'm wonderful. So they only have my best interest, you know, at heart. And I think that's the most I think difficult for people to. And do you would you say, Angie, that the the switch kind of sometimes even happens all of a sudden, not even gradually.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and what, what what I think you asked me a question, and I'm trying to. Um, oh, okay. Let me let me try to answer that whole thing. Okay, sure. so <laughs> you said love bombing as in other relationships outside of um,
0: a romantic relationship, a romantic one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So what I would call that is, you know, idealization and really that's what the whole thing is. We call it love bombing in the industry um, mm-hmm. because it's easy to understand, but the real term is idealization. You are idealized by the narcissist in the beginning of your relationship. And if you are the child of a narcissist, which it turns out a lot of us are, mm-hmm. um, you, you were idealized at different points in your life. The, you know, the cycle, and you may have not been idealized if you had a sibling who was the golden child and you were mm-hmm. the scapegoat. But the cycle looks like idealize and then devalue and then discard. And this cycle will run in loops throughout the relationship. So you might be with somebody for 30 years and yet every, you know, you go you go through idealize you go through devalue you go through discard and then they suck you back in and you're back to idealize devalue discard and then sucking you back in we call it hoovering Mm -hmm. again easy to remember and understand hoovering like the vacuum cleaner you know
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um and that so that cycle is definitely identifiable in any relationship that is um, consistent with the toxic narcissist. So like you said, a boss or a coworker or a friend or a parent or you know your your brother or sister, mm-hmm. you know, and or a romantic partner. So it's it's a lot of a lot of wiggle room there. Um mm-hmm.
0: so, so with the hoovering stage, how long would a narcissist keep that hoovering stage in effect?
1: I mean there's no set you know amount of time i've heard people claim that their narcissist did that for oh you mean the sucking back in stage
0: exactly okay so once they they're starting to discard you and then obviously for the person being hoovered you know they're trying to get now away from them but now they're trying to bring them back in so as long as they're a constant supply do you think they would keep the hoovering or when they found another person
1: so i think it's a it's a Again, it's kind of it kind of depends on the narcissist and the situation because Mm -hmm. in some cases you will have like a romantic partner who goes off and gets with someone else. Maybe they spend ten years with that person, and maybe Mm -hmm. you don't get hoovered for ten years, and you think, oh my gosh, I'm free. And then, you know, ten years later they come knocking on your door because that person is boring. Or it could happen the next day or that same day. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and there's no. Not only is there no limit to when they will do it. Mm -hmm. but there is no limit to the amount of it they will do. Now some narcissists will back off quickly if if they don't get the response they want. And those mostly are, you know, a lot of times it's because they end up with someone else or they just, Mm -hmm. some of them even have someone else and they still want to keep you in the circle of supply. You know, they like to have a harem, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but I, I think one of the, I wanted to tell me your question one more time. I'm sorry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, so with 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 someone being hoovered, how long would somebody like a narcissist keep on hoovering someone? Okay, yeah. So
1: I've heard stories of of it happening for years. I think the best way to let go of that is to not give them any response at all when they try, um, and you know, or as little as possible. If you're forced to deal with them because you share children or or business or something like that, then you just give them whatever you are required to give them because of the business you have to do with them. If, if you are, you know, or if the kids are the business, then the business of the kids, Mm -hmm. if you are not required to talk to them for some, you know, for any reason then I wouldn't talk to them, I wouldn't respond ever when they tried to Hoover. And if you can, you know, or if you're forced to, because you run into them in public or something like that, keep it short and unemotional and that's you know what the narcissist is going after is supply when they're hoovering as you Mm -hmm. noted and so you want to keep that supply gone and so if normally they go and you know try to suck you know try to suck you back in to love or drama because both of those are options for narcissists Mm -hmm. then then you have to you know do the opposite of what you would normally do so if normally you would be like okay i forgive you don't respond. If normally you would cry, laugh. I mean, that sounds really funny. Maybe not, don't laugh, that might be dangerous, but do the opposite of what you would normally do. Yeah, don't because
0: response. I guess they're looking for some type of emotional response yes. from you and they're, they get to know you so well. And because they're not really, would you say they're not, the narcissist is not so much emotionally attached. They appear to be like you said, with empathy, they appear that they're all about you, they mm-hmm. feel what you feel, but the whole point is they're playing that game until a better supply comes along.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So with
0: that, so with that um, can you explain gaslighting a little bit?
1: Sure, it's, it's a psychological form of manipulation that basically, it's, it's subtle and sneaky, but it it allows the narcissist to sort of make you doubt your own reality. To doubt your what what you see before your eyes, to doubt everything that you think, say, feel, all of the things. And and again, because it's so sneaky, it's really difficult to detect. So for example, they might kind of put a, a bug in your ear that they are, let's say you're a blonde and they're a red, they're they're they tell you that they're into redheads. And then subconsciously, they slip little things in. And every time you see a redhead, you notice they look. And then every time you're around redheads, you feel nervous and insecure, especially when that person is there looking. And then it becomes an ongoing problem. And then by the time they're done with you, you not only hate redheads, but you probably colored your hair red.
0: You know exactly, what I'm saying? Exactly. Because you, yeah. you want to fit in or you want that love so bad. I, I guess the most common um, even though narcissism happens in, with all different types of people, but I think mm-hmm. the most that we hear about is usually the relationship kind where, and, and with, with your show that you have daily, I believe Monday to Friday, you have a lot of people in there that have, are survivors because I mm-hmm. think that's a very strong word. And I think it's something to be empowered that you can be a survivor. And yeah. some of those techniques are, I guess what I'll do is I'll get you to explain what is gray rocking.
1: Okay. Right now? Sure. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or when would you need to use it or do you need to use it? And how would you use it?
1: Yeah. So gray rocking is, is, so it was invented by this girl named Skylar. I think it's, I think she's female. I don't actually know. Um, But I know that I did the research when I first heard the term and her name is Skylar. She's on the internet. I can't, I think it's 180 something.com. I can't remember, but if you type in S K Y L A R, gray rock, you'll see. Anyway, Skylar um, said that it's like being as boring as a gray rock. That's how why she named it that. And it's the truth. It's the truth. What it comes down to is you do not offer any emotional reaction at all ever to that person. And the idea being, narcissists will get bored with that because they don't get supply from that. So if you don't share your emotions with them and you just It's very difficult, but you literally have to be like this, watch. (laughs) And no, but no laughing. No no. emotions. There's
0: no no response, no. And like you said before, or give them the opposite, but too gray rocking really means is they're almost invisible now to you. Yes. You don't respond unless you absolutely, like you said, if they have kids and they share kids, sometimes Mm -hmm. you can avoid that person, but you do the minimal amount possible, no reaction do what you need to do cut, and then would you say cut any other communication off completely
1: yes, and if they send you you know if you have kids together you can get like a, a special app that is admissible in court that oh. and you can insist that they only um, communicate through that um, I have a video somewhere out there about that so seven <laughs> court approved apps or something, but it's irrelevant. You can look it up online, uh, you know, so, um, or if you're working with them again, regardless of what you're doing, if you have to talk to them, you just keep it very business-like and very cut and dry, no emotions. And so one thing that I tell people is if a lot of us have worked in customer service over the years, whether we were teenagers or adults, and a lot of us understand what I mean, what I say deal with a narcissist that you must deal with just like you would deal with an angry customer except with less emotion mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean
0: exactly yeah do what needs to be done and then keep it there mm-hmm. no extra dialogue no extra looks no extra
1: and don't take of, it personally
0: yeah no and exactly and i think the toughest thing is is I say near the end when you're in that discard stage for the for I don't really like to say the victim I don't know what a better word is the person being um, used Mm -hmm. um, you know that they're going through emotionally because they say you deal with more empowering how for people to go through that process and daily now so how long have you been doing your your online show on YouTube uh, on this subject two years two years so in that time your community has grown quite a bit and you must have regulars that come on almost every single day to just watch and you know their stories and you know you know about them so what's the trying to think what 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 is the best way when you're in that discard stage to try to keep a level head
1: it's very difficult um i have found that once we understand once we figure it out that we're being abused because that's the sneaky thing about narcissists is that a lot of us because we often came out of toxic homes or toxic situations growing up, we don't really understand what normal is. We don't really understand what it feels like to be in a healthy relationship, and so dysfunction feels like home to us, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And can you hear me when I when I said that?
0: Yes, yes. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. My my thing keeps going off, and I don't know how to talk yes. okay. <laughs> now.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so- And and that's exactly it. We we don't know how to function. We don't know how to. But another one, and this is a video that you did. um, It's also too. But it can also happen even in religious circles, where there can be um, ritual uh, religious abuse, or a parent can use that against you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it has to be a certain way because these are the rules, the regulations, the, you know, what we follow and that sort of thing. And I know friends that have been in that type of situation because anybody just going to YouTube channel and just to see the the videos that you have, the research that you've done, your own personal story, because you're not someone who just read a book and said, I'm going to be a coach. You know, you actually live through these situations. You see these people every day, five days a week for two years. You've grown your business now. So it's, it's expanded, uh, as well. So there must be a need because you as one woman can only do so much. Plus you have a family yourself, (laughs) you know, but your family now. So describe your family now as compared to previously, it must be like night and day.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's a lot smaller. Um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and it also is bigger in some ways because I I now understand, and it's, I think I've always understood up to a point, but I now understand that um, if you happen to be physically related to somebody that's in your family, you're lucky,
2: and mm-hmm.
1: that family isn't necessarily about the people who gave birth to you. You know, and, and so for that that's the case for me. And I wanted to add something to what we were talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm you know, because we're drawn into dysfunction, we end up in toxic relationships. The toxic relationships end up, we we don't even know who we are a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And, and to touch on the religious thing that you said, and I don't know, you, you can feel free to cut this out if you want, mm-hmm. but I think it's an important issue.
0: Yeah, um, oh, no, we cut nothing out. Everything, <laughs> it's free, real, raw, uncensored, unscripted. You know, right everything's real talk. Yep.
1: Right on. Okay. So one of the things that really concerns me is I see this a lot, these, and, and you would think these things have been extinct for years, but we both know that that, that they haven't. Mm-hmm. These these camps that I, I think the religious camps that try to change people mm-hmm. and and not to change them into nice people, but to change them into straight people or change them mm-hmm. into – You know,
0: (laughs) yeah. What what's expected by society, or what's acceptable? Yeah, what's acceptable to them? Yeah,
1: and and I think that is a big problem. I know that they have cut a lot of those out, but they're still there, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: kids are being kidnapped to go to them by their own parents. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and I just I just want. I mean there there has been there have been countless studies and pieces of research produced that that have said this is how you are born. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) it is not a choice
1: Mm -hmm. so I feel really strongly that they that I I think that is that concept is one example of how Mm -hmm. religion um it's ruining itself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and it's causing so much division it's just frustrating anyway I just wanted to bring that to to light I think that's an important issue that a lot of people should be aware of and and should recognize is toxic
0: yeah. Exactly. And I, I mean, for me, personally, I believe that we're people first, you know, mm-hmm. the labels are all second, which we shouldn't label anyone anyway. I agree. Um, in one of the previous podcasts I did, I did a, an interview uh, with a woman who owned a salon, uh, mm-hmm. Fuzz Hair, who we actually talked about her project, which is the dress code project, because hair has no gender. Mm. right so then who's to say what's male what's female so if you take the dna of a hair strand it's neither male nor female it's just human hair that's it so why should we be judged accordingly why should we pay accordingly why should we because then we're be, we're being put in that box mm-hmm. where that's what's saying so you're this so you you're you're okay so for me i'm male i should have short hair i should have this i should have that i should you know You know, you you should have a life, be married, have 2.4 kids, a dog, a white picket fence. Mm -hmm. You know, and debt up to the Yahoo. But (laughs) you know, but but just what what society says. But we know that things are changing, relationships are changing, what parenthood is is changing. Mm -hmm. People are growing because if something's in your DNA, how can you say that's wrong? Because these parents that are bringing those kids to the camps, they're the ones that created that child
2: it's a it. their you
0: DNA. Yes. So <laughs> it's like, I, uh, yeah, you know, because those, that's one of my hot buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to keep it cool for here, but, but that's what it is. It's like, people are so, I don't know. I think we're just conditioned to judge or be judged, or we're scared of being judged all the time. And yeah. I think that's why we have the, we have the people pleaser, kind of mentality that if we don't please this person and they don't like us there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with us so i think in that case you probably know more more on this than i do but when you're constantly trying to please people i think you lose yourself somewhere down the road and especially with a narcissist they're going to prey on people that are naturally giving naturally um You know that that want to be there and do stuff for them which brings us to another point and something we had discussed on a show we had done before is with empaths and narcissists Mm -hmm. so with having empathic quality qualities like both you and i do you know there's something that happens and i'll get you to kind of explain a little bit more on that of of the relationship between an empath and a narcissist
2: sure
1: okay um so it's a toxic attraction i mean the 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 empath by nature is wired to feel what other people feel and therefore also wired to react swiftly to extreme emotion. Mm -hmm. So what do narcissists do? They have extreme emotion. Early in the relationship, they test us and they have a big drama or a big tragedy or they get really, really angry at somebody or something. And we then, by nature, pick up the pieces happily you know, and put them back together and they go up. That's the one because Mm -hmm. now they know we're going to drop whatever we're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. And we're going to help them put their pieces back together. Mm -hmm. We're going to do whatever we can to soothe those savage emotions. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, we prove to them that we are who they need because we're going to put whatever we have going on aside, our own feelings, our own physical and mental and emotional needs for them every time, and it is our nature to do that, but we also, when we are healthy empaths, should expect our partners and friends to do the same for us, or we shouldn't continue to do it for them.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And would you think that the narcissist then, because you're so willing to do everything for them, they Mm -hmm. kind of have less respect for you because you're not really standing up for yourself. You're Mm -hmm. like, they need it. Okay. I'll just cancel my afternoon and I'll move everything around and I'll just do, you know, just to help them out, which, and it's funny, we do all this crazy stuff for a person who doesn't really care anyway. yeah
1: yeah and and we what they do in order to get us to keep doing it is they give us intermittent reinforcement so for example they'll be a jerk for a week and then on Sundays they're nice and it's not usually scheduled that way unfortunately but you know they they treat us terribly and (laughs) then they are nice a little bit you know, a tiny bit, like they'll listen to you talk about something for five minutes and go, oh, that's interesting. And you'll feel like, my gosh, they just hung the moon because you're so used to getting treated like crap all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and yet the reason that we stay is very much like drug addiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and there are physiological reasons for this, and I won't go into all of them because it's kind of boring, but mm-hmm. it's the same part of the brain that's affected by drug addiction cocaine addiction, alcohol addiction, all of it. So what happens is that with intermittent reinforcement in both drug and alcohol abuse, as well as narcissistic abuse, which are two very different things, but Mm -hmm. is that we get that high, that good high at the beginning, right? So when we first meet the narcissist, what happens? They idealize and love bomb. And so we feel like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is my soulmate. They understand me. They get me. They feel me. It's good. And then we spend the rest of the relationship begging for that, wanting that back and trying really, really hard to be good enough to get it and never being good enough. And the reinforcement, the intermittent reinforcement is like little little doses of the drug. Whereas before we're addicted to the drug, we're always chasing that first time high and we never get it again either. You know what I mean? So it's a similar concept.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess, and the same thing too. Like you said, we're so used to living in dysfunction. So mm-hmm. even if everything is bad, 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 but that one little good, I think for us can kind of give us that little bit of hope. Oh, yeah. it's going to work out. Or if I do a little bit more, they'll give me a little bit more. You know what I mean? Reinforcement and that sort of thing. But obviously, too, does that have anything to do with our own self worth? Or because um, I think too, if you're strong in yourself, but I guess they say love is blind. And when you're in that relationship, you don't always see, even though your friends are saying, maybe this person isn't right for you. And then I guess they would go, well, you're, you don't see that person the way that I do. You're just jealous because I have someone and you don't, or, you know, whatever it may be.
1: Well, and, and a lot of times the narcissist reinforces those feelings that people express when they, when someone comes up and says, Hey, that's not, that that's not right. And one of the things narcissists do to almost every victim. And I am saying victim here because we're not really a survivor till we're out. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But, um, what they do is they literally isolate them from anybody who might support them. They isolate them from their friends and their family members and people who seem to either want to control you or who want to empower you. They, mm-hmm. they want to be the one to control you and they don't want you to be empowered. They want you, it's interesting because they seek out people who are strong and attractive and intelligent,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but then they seek out the ability to crush those people into, you know, just nothingness. And, mm-hmm. and what they really want is someone who is strong and beautiful and intelligent, but also who you could fold up and put in a box on the, the closet shelf until you're ready to play mm-hmm. with them again. Do you know what I mean? Like a toy. And humans don't work that way. And that's part of the reason they never have good relationships.
0: No, but, but do you think in that love bombing stage, that's also too where they're kind of building their trust with you? Oh, yeah. So then that way they're going to be more attentive they're going to listen to every word you have mm-hmm. to say they're going to get to know as much about you your friends your family and they're mm-hmm. going to find those little loopholes or those cracks especially mm-hmm. if you have maybe a not so good relationship with your parents or they know a friend who really influences you that you listen to and you take their advice and if they say they don't like somebody boom they're out of your life cuz like oh, you yeah. said this person wants to control you, so they want to take out any factor that that will kind of you know impede their their success. Right. So another question: Is there a difference between a narcissist and an emotional vampire? <laughs> <I remember. laughs> um,
1: you know, I think they're the same. Yeah. Um, I think they're one and the same. I mean, a, a narcissist is ow, I just bit my face. A narcissist is a an emotional vampire. Mm-hmm. They are. I I've used, and I think we talked about it before. I used the very often the example of True Blood. Have you seen True Blood?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So you know, uh, mm-hmm. Bill the vampire, and, and and even though I don't think Bill's particularly as narcissistic as say Eric, who I think is no. much more attractive. <laughs> but <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, the idea though. Mm-hmm. So Bill the vampire. Is very attracted to Sookie because why? Not only is she cute and everything, but mm-hmm. she smells delicious yes. and she's different than everybody. Blah blah blah. He you know, as a vampire, he wants to eat her because then what? He can walk in the light, right? Yes. She's attracted to him for what reason? Because she can't hear him. Mm-hmm. She walks around in the world and hears all the humans and their thoughts. She can't hear Bill's thoughts. So yes. she's much more attracted to him because it's more peaceful, she thinks, with him. Mm-hmm. And and so there's this, this dynamic with vampires and fairies in the show that is very much like the dynamic with empaths and narcissists. Because you have a narcissist who needs to feed on technically not your blood, mm-hmm. your emotions, mm-hmm. and and your your pain, and whatever. Your supply, your admiration, all of these things, and then you have a a a an empath who wants to, you know, can't read the narcissist as well as they can read other people, Mm -hmm. and also who wants to help them be a better version of whatever they are. And often narcissists suck us in with the little sob story, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's so terrible, blah blah. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I I I always find that that comparison to be very interesting because I really do think that narcissists are emotional vampires.
0: Well, cuz they are because they're also draining, you know, what I mean, they're draining you physically, they're draining you emotionally, they're draining you socially, yeah. they're draining you because they're taking you away from your friends or taking you away from your environment. They need a close tab. You know, if you're at work, call me when you get to work. If you're at lunch, call me. When you're yeah. at home, make sure or they call and, "Why didn't you pick up the phone?" Mm-hmm. "I was in a meeting." "Well, you need to, you know what I mean, and it's painful. I understand it can be pretty intense for some of these um, people that you help or people that are survivors that finally, so when somebody becomes a survivor and sees the light, what's the biggest epiphany they would normally have?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the first big epiphany is simply that, oh my gosh, I'm being abused. Because so often, like sometimes they'll come out of a physically abusive childhood home and then they don't even recognize the emotional abuse. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think that a lot of people, even professionals, truly recognize narcissistic abuse as abuse because they just don't get it. They don't understand how pervasive and painful it can be. But I think the next big revelation for a lot of survivors, once they really wrap their head around what they're dealing with, because they, they do a lot of research, they try to understand... Once they do that, then I think the revelation is, "Oh my gosh, I'm not the big piece of crap the narcissist told me I was for my whole life, or for my last twenty years, or whatever." Mm-hmm. And and oh my gosh, I can make choices. Oh my gosh, you know this person really is a toxic person, and I know that because I can see all. Brad, be red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so people tell me all the time it's like you were describing my life or are you listening into my kitchen window? Stuff like this, because they really think
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're alone in the world. And I think that's another big revelation is that when they recognize, okay, there are thousands of people who are going through something similar, or who have been through something similar mm-hmm. that changes people's lives and their whole understanding of their lives. And on the one more thing, when I went through it and I went no contact with my, parental unit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's talk about the 80s. Anyway, yes. um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had a huge revelation of understanding that I didn't believe what I thought I believed. Everything that I thought was true, I had to question because there mm-hmm. were so many things in my head that weren't my beliefs or, or my intentions for my life.
0: Mm -hmm. so so were those put in by the narcissist or did you have times when you were going through it and your own mind was thinking i don't think this is right Mm
2: -hmm. sorry
1: yeah um i often questioned everything about my reality um but truly if i'm being really honest with you my narcissistic parent made um literally every choice in my life Mm -hmm. until i was 35 years old Mm -hmm. because i didn't realize they were doing that they were manipulating me from a very I mean they put those buttons in they installed the buttons they were pushing you know what I mean mm-hmm. and and so when I look back and I think you know even when I made a choice that was that felt like a rebellious choice back then it turns out that I made that choice in order to rebel against them
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: so i I guess my point is that there, when you go through this, your entire identity may be a shock to you when you see it and realize it. Now, some of the things about me turned out to be good and legit and real, but a large percentage of like, I'm so much more laid back than I knew I was, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't have judgmental thoughts in any way for like, well, that's not true. Cause I judge some people, child molesters mm-hmm. judge the crap out of those people, yes. you know, um, people who hurt other people for no reason, totally going to judge them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but outside of that, I always tell my kids, I want you to be happy, healthy, and legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can be all of those things, I don't, I yeah. just do what you want. You know, I mean, when they're adults, when they're kids, they have certain things they have. To
0: oh, do. of course. And you have to be in, you know, obviously if your child is 12, they're not going to go out and party all night. Oh, wow. Right. There, there are certain, there are <laughs> certain say. rules, right. They can't date till they're 40. But <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying my 10 year old, you know, but
2: <laughs> yeah, no, really no. But, yeah. but
0: do you think having, if you grow up in a narcissistic family, do you think kind of when you leave and you go out, it becomes a repeated pattern? So some people will leave a narcissist and then fall right back into another relationship with a narcissist. Oh, yeah, because, because that's kind of what you know. And to say having parents that are narcissists, does that now skew your view where you think, well, every marriage is like this. So when I get married, this is what marriage is.
1: Oh, that messed me up for a long time. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, because this is interesting, this is a good question. Um, the narcissist in my case was a female parent, uh, my original one. I've also been married to one, a male, but she um, ruled the house with an iron fist. She chose everything, she chose the de- decorations, what everybody wore, how everything was. And so, you know, I thought that's what mothers did, <laughs> what wives did. Mm-hmm. So when I got married, I was like trying to rule with an iron fist. That didn't work out very well.
0: <laughs> um, and I
1: don't even want to, to rule anything with an iron fist. No, you know, but funny. you
0: thought that's the expectation. If I'm going to be a mm-hmm. wife or a mother or, you know what I mean, have, yeah. I have to be strong for my mate because this is what it's all about. This and if I happens, don't do right? this, I won't measure up and I'll fail as a, you know, fail as a partner.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, it was interesting because <laughs> I was actually attacked by that narcissist parent for not controlling my husband properly, mm. <laughs> which yeah. I found incredibly interesting. But uh, it turns out I don't want to be anybody's boss. Um, I, I own a company and I, have literally, I literally have somebody that I pay to not make me boss people. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to
0: be yeah. anybody's boss. No, but and, that's exactly you know. the way it should be. And as an owner, I think of any company and any business, that's really what you need. You get somebody who you trust, who you mm-hmm. believe in, who can take care of all the managerial stuff, who can mm-hmm. take care of all that or come to you with the important decisions. But generally, they can weed out all that bottom feeder stuff, they can Mm -hmm. delegate for you. So you can concentrate more on what you need. Because if you have to constantly micromanage everything, exactly, you know, then you're not really going to have a life because you're constantly now every little decision you have to make. And it just gets I think it just builds and builds and builds. Mm -hmm. But as I say with expanding, so what made you decide that, okay, now is time, I want to expand my coaching business. Um, how did you go about finding your coaches and expanding your business? So
1: it's interesting. Um, because when I started, when I first, okay, this is interesting. (laughs) Um, when I originally, I was not ever going to do that. That was never going to be a thing. Um, and then I got a pitch from one of my former admins and I felt uncomfortable with the way it was pitched. So I just kind of threw it to the wayside and but she was pitching something similar to what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not exactly the same concept, but a similar weird version of the mm-hmm. concept.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but what turned out is that um, a couple of my longtime admins came to me. They had been doing basically support in the groups mm-hmm. and they wanted to know, you know, where did you get your certification? Would, and we kind of had to talk about it and, mm-hmm they we, they went through the certification program at the same school that I did. And then they went through an additional certification program for narcissistic abuse recovery mm-hmm. that I created around them and around my community. So mm-hmm. that they understood, I, the, I knew that they already knew about it, but I wanted mm-hmm. them to know all the things, you know? Yes. And so they went through that program. And at that time we started to kind of, you know, put them into the to, the positions. And as we mm-hmm. did that, like, one of them has developed an amazing group coaching program, which I never had time to sit down and do because I was just too busy, but I wanted to do it. I just have time to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's really working well. Um, and the other one, and so, and we have one that focuses on divorce only and, you know, going through the divorce with the narcissist. Mm -hmm. And then we have one who focuses a lot on self care and self esteem and things like that, kind of helping people through the, the understanding and the overcoming phases. All she, she also does, You know, one on ones -ones for the new people who Mm -hmm. first get into it. And then we have somebody who focuses a lot on the adult children of narcissists. So we have a really nice spectrum of Mm -hmm. pros in place who have not only experienced the things that they're coaching on, but who have become educated on those things as well. And so it's been a long process getting everyone in place, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so far so good, you know, and (laughs) expansion is hard. But mm-hmm. the reason that I went ahead with it is because while I love coaching, mm-hmm. um, I eventually don't want to be coaching as often mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, have, I really like to focus on um, what I do best, which I, I'm good at coaching, mm-hmm. but it's, it's emotionally stressful for, for a survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, sometimes yeah. not
0: all the time. Well, and also taking on being empathic, plus taking on everybody's stories. Yes. So, do you still run a five day a week show?
1: Well, I do have videos five days a week. Okay. So, and sometimes I, I'm not streaming five days right now, but okay. that, that will probably go back to. Yeah.
0: But I think you have more than enough content about every kind of subject, you know, and and then some. Yeah. Because you not only have, but you also have um empath entrepreneur as well mm-hmm. so people are entrepreneurs but you also do the other because weren't you didn't you used to do a lot of writing for um now i have to think a script not script writer what are they called copy Copy,
1: oh, yeah. I do Writing copy, copy writing.
0: for people yeah. and doing that kind yeah. of stuff. You yeah. also have business stuff. Tell me a little bit. Um, wow, the time's flying. It's been almost an hour already. But uh-huh. we'll just, uh, I, know, I know you're a busy woman and, and, and your assistant is probably like winking at you saying <laughs> you've got five appointments waiting. <laughs> but, but if you can talk a little bit about your academy that you have, your online academy and what oh, sure. people can find inside there. Plus, there was also a summit you did as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, So the Life Makeover Academy, I'm sorry, I'm getting all these notifications. (laughs) Life Makeover Academy is a, it's kind of like a, I mean, it's an online school, right? Mm -hmm. But um, everything that I have there, I have like different sections. So there's one section that focuses, of course, on personal development, all of it for narcissistic abuse survivors specifically. And then there's the other side of it that focuses on, and I think anything that works for a narcissistic abuse survivor is also geared to empaths. But in this case, it's specifically for people who have survived this kind of abuse and who are trying to get out of this kind of abuse and all of this stuff. It's very, very, I think it's so important to support this population because for so long we had no voices. Oh, that reminds me of something else I want to tell you before we go. Yep. Um, uh, but But so there's that. And then on the other side of it, there's the empath entrepreneur program. And the reason, and those are courses that are designed for empaths, survivor or not, Mm -hmm. that are trying to do something to give back to the world. So something like you're doing or not that you need it, but I'm just saying Mm -hmm. anytime that we're doing anything to try to help other people, we Mm -hmm. can, especially if it's our passion And we're driven to do it by what I I consider, I I consider myself to be divinely driven to do what I do. It's not always a choice for me. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that I must do. I think you're similar with your mission
0: here. Very much so. Yes. And I mean, I have your courses with the journaling and with the, I mean, it's amazing the content that you offer um, and not, there are some free resources, there are some fee-based resources, Mm -hmm. but it's also, um, you know, it's, it's also there as well so the i how we met is i guess for your summit oh, um, yeah. where i was a guest on your summit cuz so you can tell people a little bit about the summit and it, it's still available for them to purchase correct it yes it yeah. is
1: yeah the summit um it was really amazing um you i met you and a few other people mm-hmm. in during that time um that i still am, i mean i met a bunch of people but some of them i'm still in contact with yes um, but uh, so I, I held the Life Makeover Summit. That was kind of the, the whole launch to Life Makeover Academy, really. Um, but it was a summit where we we wanted to just help people make every part of their life better. And that is a lot of what we do at Life Makeover Academy. But during that mm-hmm. summit, we had these interviews, as you know, where I did live interviews for what, I would think it was a week, um, several times a day.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: boy, that was crazy. But yeah, I think some- you
0: had, yeah, at least three to four guests. Per day, plus tons of free resources, tons of like it's amazing what you packed into that that <laughs> yeah. summit.
1: Yeah, and there's of course as you as you mentioned, there's lots of extra resources even available now for those people who do purchase mm-hmm. still. Um, but I I should reduce the cost of it at this point. It's been up a year, I think, but mm-hmm. or two years, I don't even know. Anyway, mm-hmm. but it it was good. It was a really good summit, and um, I. I probably will do another one. I don't know that I, I, don't know if I can do it every year right now, but mm-hmm. I probably yeah. will do another one because it was a lot of fun. Um, but it was a good summit. And I think, I think that was the thing that, like I said, launched Life Bank of our Academy. And the, that's the idea, in fact, behind my whole business um, mm-hmm. that, that I want whatever content I produce or participate in has to be something that makes people's lives better on some level. Mm -hmm. that's what i believe and i I just think it's good karma better energy all of that stuff so yeah but if you don't mind i want to squeeze in one more thing
0: you sure can (laughs) squeeze in as much as you like (laughs) (laughs) anyway so
1: i should have brought a copy in here anyway (gasps) um so i have the new book it's releasing tomorrow (gasps) It is called, (gasps) I'm so excited.
0: I know. I'm almost like on the edge of my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's called the evolution,
1: the evolution of echo. I didn't write this one by myself. I wrote it with 21 other survivors Oh, wow. and it's amazing. It is uh, amazing. They share their personal stories. I share my Mm -hmm. personal story. They Mm -hmm. share their best advice for survivors and all of these women and men are Mm -hmm. thrivers today. Wow. It's a beautiful thing. Wow. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. The cover art was made by Maria Kaufman, who is one of my admins and an amazing artist. It is beautiful. She's also a survivor. Every single person who participated in this book is a survivor. And it's wow. very exciting. So I'm super psyched. Um, <laughs> so people can go to queenbeing.com anthology if they want to check it out.
0: Oh, perfect. So is, is it a downloadable or is it, can they actually get a physical copy?
1: Both. There's a Kindle oh, version and okay. a paperback.
0: Oh, yeah. amazing. Well, I have to get a copy. <laughs> and oh. what, what I'd love to do is have you back again. If, if, if your assistant will allow you some free time <laughs> and we'll do an actual, um, we'll do a Facebook live. Oh, but I'd love it. way audience can talk to you, participate with you. We'll talk mm-hmm. more on the book. I'm sure this book will make you laugh, make you cry, make probably go through all the range of emotions you yes. never thought you had. So. Yes. Some of these
1: stories <laughs> will shock you and some wow. of them will make you really sad, but all of them will inspire you when you're finished reading them.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of a, a chicken soup type of
1: Yeah, I guess
0: so for a survivor soul, not based on that, but the stories, the anecdotes, the thing. And I think that's what it is Mm because this book not only tells the stories, but it's also empowering, empowering others. Right. Which is similar to what I'm doing now, as I say, and I mentioned to you before, we're doing an empowerment cruise. So basically this is our summit at sea. October exciting. 12th to 19th. Um, so we start Yay! off, we leave from Miami. Uh, <laughs> we go to Honduras. We go to Costa Maya. We go to Cozumel, which is where the Mayan ruins are. We have a private island in the Bahamas. Oh my so God. right now we have balcony rooms. So balcony rooms, it includes a free bottle of red wine. You also get dinner for two at Jamie, uh, Jamie Oliver's Italian. You get wow. your government taxes, port taxes, gratuities, um everything every like all your stuff you get nine restaurants, two two are twenty-four hours. Wow. Plus there's tons of stuff. You can surf, you can rock climb, you can ice skate. It's perfect <laughs> for the kids to come. So it's wow. great for everyone. So normally this I have a same, I'll put the link below so you guys can see, but um normally these rooms go for about nine thousand dollars. So it's a brand new ship, Symphony of the Seas, which is the world's largest ship. So I think US it's, it's around 1189 us. So you're saving like $8,000. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. because of the group and you get everything you can ever imagine the show wow. the live show is a broadway cast of hairspray uh there's 1977 which is the recreation of the wright brothers story how they made the first uh airplane there's 1977 which is like an ice show ice capade show kids can also play laser tag there's also like Hyro, which is high diving mm-hmm. there's everything you could ever imagine like on it. And it's going to be, so it's October 12th to 19th of next year. So people can register now, put their deposit down now and you have until June of next year to pay. Amazing. So most people, if you can do 25 bucks a week, give up your Starbucks for five days a week. You You can have, and speaking of Starbucks, there's a Starbucks on board. What? so if you need your starbucks it's it's already there like angie it's always a pleasure it's already been over an hour and i'm like it's it feels like we're just getting started i know But <laughs> well, we'll definitely have you on again in the future and just say we'll we'll set up something we'll let everybody know about a facebook live where people can interact with you we'll put your site so people can check out the book so if you guys can Grab it online, grab it, and then we'll do some dialogue. So if you have any questions for Angie, um, you can watch her um, either stream or she has amazing videos on YouTube. So it's just under your own name, correct? Mm -hmm. So it's youtube.com forward slash Angie Atkinson. You'll find everything there you ever needed. Um, As I say, she has coaches that will specialize in certain areas as well. Um, She's dynamic in everything she does. If you want, I think you even have a site for weight loss. You yeah. have uh, a Facebook group for weight loss, mm-hmm. for uh, empathic entrepreneurs. She has her the list. Her list goes on and on and on. And I, I don't want to get off, but I know I have to because I know, you know, I'll be getting a message from your assistant saying, you <laughs> took too long. <laughs> She's the boss. What can
1: I
2: tell
0: you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I want to say thank you, Angie, for joining us here in the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. Thank you. And man. I'll... And so I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. So if you want to know more about narcissistic abuse, more so being a survivor, check out the links below, and we'll see you next time.